we've been on a series entitled Life Behind the Scenes. Life Behind the Scenes. And literally what we've been talking about is that there's more to life than what we see. There's more to life than what we see. And so we learned a couple of things over these last uh, couple of weeks. The first thing that we learned is that who you are is not what you see. Who you are is not what you see. Now, have you ever thought about this? That there's more to you than skin? There's more to you than wrinkles? Right? Uh, there's more to you than, than what you feel. There's more to you than what you've experienced. There's more to you than what you see. And it's important for us to really think about that because if, when, if we're not careful, what we end up doing is experiencing life and judging who we are and what life is all about based upon everything that's happening around us and happening to us. Let me tell you what the scriptures say. We looked at this, this verse uh, over the last two weeks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24 says, May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, watch this, putting you together, spirit, soul, and body. And keep you filled of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, He'll do it. Let's keep that verse up there. I want you to notice what the scripture says. That the way God made you and I, the way he put us together is spirit, soul, and body. Go ahead and tell somebody, I am a spirit. Tell somebody else, I have a soul. And tell somebody else, I live in a body. Now, you, you got to really think about this. Because according to scripture, what it tells us is that we really are made like God. Three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. And so your soul is where your mind, your will, and emotions operate. That's what the scriptures reveal. Your body is this thing right here. This, this, this outer case. That who you are is a spirit. And so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. We also learned that last week that what God sees in you matters most. What God sees in you matters most. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold. Say that with me. Behold. Behold, all things have become new. And so as we saw last week, and we see in this verse here, we have a new identity in Christ. The scripture says that you were once dead, that we were once dead, but he made us alive. And so there's an old you who's died, and there's a new you who's now alive. The thing is, are you beholding that? Are you focusing on that? Are we paying attention to that? You know the truth about this walk with God, what it really is? Once you know Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, you know what this journey is all about? It's not about improving the old you. It's not about becoming a better version of who you were. It's not about you changing anything. You know what it's really about? It's about us discovering who we now really are. And, th and this is what the scriptures begin to unfold for us. So today I'd like to talk to you on the topic of eyes 
that see. Eyes that see. See, to see behind the scenes of your life and mine, to, to see what God is doing in your life, where God is leading you, how to understand faith. All these things are at work in your life if you know Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And if you don't know Jesus, then guess what? God wants to reveal to you what he's done behind the scenes. But to see that, we need more than physical eyesight. It reminds me of a joke I once heard. So you got to promise me this. You're going to laugh. <laughs> Let's look at this. It says an airplane full of passengers was waiting uh, for their flight on the tarmac to take off while they watched nervously as two men finally came on the plane wearing pilot uniforms and wearing dark glasses. They used canes to feel their way into the cockpit. Minutes later, the plane engine starts uh, running and the plane begins to barrel down the runway. And the passengers began to get scared as the water at the end of the airstrip neared at a rapid pace. And it did not appear that they would have enough room to take off. They thought they were going to end up in the ocean. With only a few yards left, everyone on the plane screamed. They believed that the plane was about to barrel into the ocean. But just in the nick of time, the plane lifted off just in time. The passengers soon settled down and they soon settled down and they began laughing in relief as they reasoned amongst themselves that it was all a joke and the pilots knew exactly what they were doing. Meanwhile, back in the cockpit, one pilot says to the other, you know, one day they're going to scream too late and we're all going to die. <laughs> oh, man. Listen, to see behind the scenes of life, we need sight. But see, the sight, sight is what your eyes produce. That's what your eyes physically do. But vision is what God produces in you and I as we seek him. What we need is vision from God. Vision from God. See, if we're not careful, we'll live life by feeling our way through it according to what our eyes show us. You ever thought about that? That your eyes are a gateway and you conclude thoughts you experience emotions in response to what you see with your physical eyes. So let me ask you this question. How's that working for you in terms of a God you can't see? It doesn't work. How does that work for you in trusting a God that you can't physically feel by touch? See, it doesn't work. And so what we need is vision, spiritual eyesight to see, because if we go by what we see with our physical eyes and we set aside the vision that God gives us, according to the new man, the spirit that you are, we'll be drawn by what we see. We'll be drawn by what looks good, sounds good, feels good, and we'll go nowhere in life. Proverbs 29, 17 through 19 in the amplified version says this, it says, correct your son and he will give you comfort. Yes, he will delight your soul. Listen closely. Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. 
But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. A servant will not be corrected by words alone. For though he understands, listen closely, he will not respond nor pay attention. And so it's important for us to really dig into this and glean what's happening here. In context, God equates the lack of correction in the life of a child to a person with no vision. Here's what it's saying. It's saying, envision this, a child with no boundaries, no rules, no sense of direction in life, a child left to do and feel and get whatever they want. There's no boundaries in life. And so what the scripture says is that if you correct this child, they'll give you comfort. That He'll delight your soul. And then the scripture says in context here, where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, that person is unrestrained. And so it's literally giving us a visual picture of a child without restraint. And it's saying that this child has no vision, no revelation, because there's no word, no boundary in place. And when there's no boundary in place, another version puts it this way. It leads to destruction. It says that the people perish. And so the lack of correction here leads to destruction as a result of a life a void of direction. And in the same manner for you and I, without vision from God that creates boundaries, that teaches us, that leads us, that shows us the way, what the scripture is revealing here is that it also will leave us void of direction and lead us to destruction. See, it's not enough to have an acquaintance with God's word by mere understanding. Let's put verse 19 up again if we could. I want you to see that it says, A servant will not be corrected by words alone. So this all is a puzzle that you got to put together. These three verses, we usually harp in on verse 18, where there's no vision, people perish, but understand what the scripture's saying here. Literally, what it's telling us is that for the person who cannot be corrected, or for the person who will not be corrected by words alone, though he understands, that's like you and me, we go to church, we read the Bible, we even listen to sermons, we might even sing some songs, but if that's all we do and we do not, and, all, and we can understand it, we can reason it, but we're not in, inculcating it into our lives, it's not applying to our lives, what the scripture is saying here is that though he understands, though all you do is understand, you cannot respond. We don't pay attention. And so we need vision that the vision that God gives us through his word. We need spiritual eyes that perceive and give us insight from God. You know how the word of God works? You know how a life with God works? You begin to see God and all of a sudden you begin to see yourself differently. You begin to see circumstances differently. You begin to feel different about who you are. You begin to approach challenges differently. All of a sudden, where you thought you couldn't make it, now you believe I can make it. 
And listen, there may be times where we deviate from that and we experience some heaviness in life. We go through some different things. But what the word of God does, it gives us a spiritual vision, a new vision for life. And whether you know it or not, we're all operating according to a vision for life. You're either operating to the vision that God is revealing or you're operating to another vision. It can be called defeat. It can be called depression. It can be called divorce. It can be called uh, challenges, whatever. It can be called money. It can be called the esteem of people. It can be called whatever. But we're all operating according to a vision. But what God wants us to get is his vision. And so listen to what Ephesians chapter 1 verses 17 through 20 says in the Amplified Version. It says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Watch this. That gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of his mighty strength which he produced in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I want to sum this, these verses up for you with simply this. You have a new set of eyes. And here's the will of God that you would see according to those eyes. According to those eyes, you begin to see all that God has for you. All that God has for you. you. You know what it's like when you first come to Jesus? It's like adjusting to new light. You were once blind and all of a sudden you get it. God cares about me. God loves me. And all of a sudden it's like the light is going on, but you can't quite see because your eyes, your heart hasn't adjusted. And so it may not all make sense, but you're kind of teeter tottering along the way, kind of feeling your way around. And as you continue to walk with Christ, your eyes become open to power, to truth, to a vision, to a future, to healing. See, God has given you a new set of eyes. And these eyes grant you and I access to live a new life, a new life. But you know why? Because this new set of eyes allows us vision, vision from God. And so when Paul is writing to these people in Ephesus, God has dropped it on his heart. And he's saying, man, this is what I want my people to get. You got a new set of eyes. You got a new set of eyes. You got a new set of eyes. 
And so 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 says this, For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light to shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me sum that up for you. God wants you to see. So we have a new set of eyes and God wants you and I to see. Now, you ever thought about this? Light is crucial to sight. Without light, you can't see. I want you to think about this, that the way God created us physically is a mirror image of what God created us to be in the new man. Spiritually, just like your physical eyes require sight to see for you and I to walk as the new woman and man that God created us to be for us to discover the power of God in our lives. It requires light, but not just any light. It's, it's not the light on your phone. It's not the light in your household. See, that's physical light. Watch what the scripture says. It says that God has made this light in our hearts to shine so that we can know God at his best as he's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. So get this. The lights are on. The lights are on. The power's not out in heaven. And it's not out here on earth. It's not off in your life and mine. The lights are on because God wants you and I to see. And when God turned on the lights, guess how he did it? He did it in a way that we could all relate to. He came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. Listen, if, if all this other stuff you struggle to understand, can I just encourage you to look at the light? Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you would just observe and study and read what God looked like on earth, how he related to a woman caught in adultery, how he took the sick and lifted them up, how he spoke truth to the people who thought they knew truth and really gave them truth, how he went about healing the sick and doing great things, revealing the father's heart. If you would just focus and study who Jesus was, you know, what would begin to happen in your life? The lights come on, the lights come on, the lights come on. All of a sudden you begin to see yourself differently. See, I, I used to read the Bible this way, like a book. You know what that means? I read it page by page, chapter by chapter, but I never stopped to think about it. And I encourage you that as you study the life of Jesus, ask yourself, what does this tell me about God? And what does this tell me about how he approaches me? And what does this tell me about who I am and what I'm worth to him? Let the word of God begin to enlighten you to the truth. And so study his life. And so today we have a life, a light that clarifies life and gives us vision to see.
Acts 26, 18 tells us about what God wants us to see. It says to open their spiritual eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive a forgiveness and release from their sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified, set apart and made holy by faith in me. Listen, our spiritual eyes give us the ability to do a few things. According to what we just read here, they give us the ability to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. You do not have to be subject to the lies of Satan. The lights are on. You do not have to buy into the lies that point you back to your past. The lights are on. You don't have to struggle with feelings of condemnation. You don't have to see yourself according to what people say. The lights are on. And so our spiritual eyes give us eyes, give us the ability to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. They give us the ability to receive our forgiveness and release from sin. That's a very important point because you know what we do with sinful things when we drop the ball? We look back to someone who's dead. We look backwards to something, to someone who we once were. And what we, what we, what we believe is that's who I am because of what I'm doing. That's a lie. Listen, according to what we just read in these verses... You know what it tells us? It tells us that we, that, because, that God wants our eyes to be open so that, so that we can turn from the darkness to the light. And so get this, when you fall short, instead of looking back where it's dark, here's what we're supposed to do. Look to the light because the light reveals what you truly are, what you've become, what's at work in you. That makes sense? And this, our spiritual eyes give us the ability to inherit the life that we have been set apart for. It literally teaches us, wait, this sickness is not mine. I'm healed. That's what Jesus gave me. These feelings of insecurity... And, and feeling like I'm, I have no self-worth, that's not who I am. That's not, that's not my makeup. No, I have power. I have a sound mind. I'm loved by God. And so these eyes give us the ability to focus upon what's truly ours in Christ. And so the Bible records the account in the life of a man who had physical sight, but he lacked a vision from God to see. His name was Saul. Now this guy Saul was so blind that while he could see, listen, this guy believed in God. He professed to put his trust in God. But the problem is that he was blind to the truth. And so his life, while living for God, so to speak, was riddled by error. Saul was a religious man. This guy followed the beliefs imposed by religious men to the letter. As a matter of fact, Saul, who later was uh, uh, named himself Paul, this guy Saul, if you read, if you read in the scriptures, what you'll see is that Paul says, I, I, if you want to talk about religious 
He says, I was a Pharisee of, of Pharisees. You know what he was saying? He's saying, I was the best at it. He says, according to the letter of the law, I was a flawless. I kept the entire law. I did everything according to religion. So this guy put his confidence in religion and that confidence in religion blinded him. It blinded him. And so lest we be quick to judge this guy, Saul, we should consider that Saul was no different than us. Let me tell you why. Because we too can believe in something or someone to the extent that it blinds us from what God is revealing to us. I'm going to say that again. We too can believe in something or someone to the extent that it blinds us from the truth. Such was his blindness that this guy believed that killing people that in those days were in the early church known as Christians, he thought it was right because he was doing it in the name of God. Because they were people that did not believe in God the way he believed. Because they dared to say, hey, it's not just Jewish people that are, that are loved by God, it's all people. He dared to say that the people, these people dared to believe that the Messiah had come in the form of a man named Jesus. And so Paul devoted his life to killing these people. If Paul back then saw was around today, according to his old mindset, you and I would be dead. He'd be in here with a squad trying to drag us out of here. And so get this. He believed in God. But he believed it was okay to kill the very people that God loved. So let's turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a portion from uh, Saul's life. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 18. Starting at verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's referring to the way following Jesus, that's what they used to call it in the beginning. It says, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Remember that. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. 
In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. And yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately like something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again and he got up and was baptized. And so let's, let's, let's break this down. Let's look at what's happening here. This man experienced a radical change. He experienced a radical change. God got his attention for sure. But see, this story isn't exclusive to Saul. You know why? Because there are areas in our lives that God is trying to get our attention. God wants you and I to see something. And you might not be hunting Christians like Paul, like Saul was. You might not be pursuing Christians to kill them like he was. But you know what? We can all potentially be blinded in areas in our life by what we're pursuing. And so Saul was pursuing, he was pursuing his desire to be right with God by his religion, but was doing what was wrong in the sight of God. And it was because he lacked a vision from God. And so get this. If we could just go back to verse seven, I want to read this to you real quick. Notice that the Bible tells us that Saul's on a journey to a place called Damascus. He's got letters from the high priest, in other words, the top-notch guy of their religion. And he's now going to this place in Damascus. He's going there with these letters saying, I'm authorized to kill all the Christians that are here. And so while he's on his way, he gets knocked off his feet. He gets knocked off his feet. And, and what happens is he can't see any longer. So his vision, his sight dictated my role in life is to kill these Christians. And then all of a sudden he gets knocked off his feet and he has this encounter with Jesus. And while he's talking, while Jesus is talking to him, Jesus says to him, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you? And he says, I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. And so God introduces himself to, uh, to Saul for the very first time. The lights come on. But get what's happening around Saul. The men that are with him hear God, but they can't see. Let me tell you why I share that with you. Because it's possible to hear God in your life. And still not see. It's possible to go to church, 
week after week. It's possible to claim the title Christian. It's possible to do Christian things. And hear God. Hear his word. Hear direction for your life. And still not see. How's that possible when it's God speaking? Look at what Ephesians chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 tell us. It says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity... They have given themselves over to sensuality, in other words, to be led by what they see, by what they feel, by this outer realm, these, this external experience. It says they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. You know what the Bible is telling us here? It's telling us that we can have a hard heart. And you know when your heart gets hard. You know when this heart gets hard? When he can't receive truth? When what we depend on is the external experience of life for a relationship with God. Let me tell you what that looks like. God, you must not be real because everything's going wrong around me. God, you must not love me because my husband is leaving me. God, you must not be listening to my prayers because nothing is happening. Guess how we're judging God? According to what we see, what we think, what we feel, what this world tells us. Listen, it's all a smoke screen. We're buying a lie. See, what was in his heart up until that point was sensual. It was not spiritual. Saul was driven by his hate. Saul was driven by his devotion to religion. And the Bible says that it was all impure. Ungodly. And so get this. If that's where we are, where we're experiencing relationship with God and judging that relationship by what we feel, what we see, what's happening externally, then here's what you're missing. The light. While hearing God, you can't see. There's a reason why the scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so... Here's the second thing that we see from Saul's life. What we see is that vision from God frees us from our dependence on sight. So get this. The scripture tells us that Saul gets knocked to the ground, right? He has this personal encounter with God. And the very first lesson that he learns afterwards is not to proceed by what he does. Check this out. Listen closely to what happens. Remember the point. Vision from God sets us free from our dependence on sight. And so here's what happens. All this time, Saul has proceeded in life by sight, by dependence on what he's learned, what he's experienced. And then all of a sudden, he has this encounter with God, and he's blinded. He's blinded for three days. 
And the very first lesson that he learns is trust what God said, not what you see. Listen, all he has after this encounter with Jesus is the direction that God has given him. He no longer has his eyes. All he has is direction. And so he says, guys, you heard where we're going. Take me there. Let's go there. For the first time in his life, Saul can only depend on what God says. And so while physically he's blind, the lights have come on and Saul can see. You know, I, uh, I, rem- I just, uh, one of our staff members, uh, one of, one of our guys, uh, he, uh, he, he was having some issues with his car, right? And, uh, good car only had about 70,000 miles or so on it. And the transmission gets blown on it. Now it's a Nissan. I get it. You know, these foreign cars that happens by American, you won't have those issues. Let me stop. No, but he, you know, he's driving a Nissan and the, the car goes bad. And I was shocked because at one time, all we did was buy Nissans. That's all we bought. And so he's trying to figure out, he takes it to someone that I know. And they say, man, it's going to be at least $5,000 just to fix it. Right. Just, just to figure out what's going on. And so I remember a conversation we were having uh, a while back and I said to him, bro, you got to trust God on this one. What does God's word say to you? What, what, what are you seeing according to what God's word says? And so I encouraged him with some scriptures and I told and one of the scriptures I was telling him, look, God works all things out for your good because you love him and you called according to his purposes. And I said, but don't miss this. God's working. You don't see it. But God's working. And so, you know what? Last week or two, he's been, you know, kind of working this out, trying to figure it out and all that. He's been praying. He's been talking to the Lord. And so this past week when he came in, um, he says to me, man, Nissan has this new program that they're running. I forget the name of it. Uh, some, some type of buddy program or something. If you have issues, because the warranty had already, he had, he had already gone over on the miles and the warranty, so they wouldn't cover the transmission. And so he says, yeah, I'm going to give him a call. I'm going to look into it. And I'm listening to him. And I'm going, Lord, you're up to something here. So he texts me yesterday. And he says, Pastor, you are not going to believe this. I said, I said, what's up? He says, Nissan is covering 80% of the cost for my car to get fixed. I said, you better get your crazy praise on. All right, get your crazy praise dance on because God is at work. There is things happening in our lives behind the scenes. And I'll tell you why I share that because listen, when you shift from depending on what you see and what's going on and you begin to depend on the sight that God gives you according to his word and where he's leading you and guiding you, you can trust that it's all going to work out. Somebody needs to get their crazy praise on because God's at work behind the scenes of your life. I like the way Psalm 119 puts it. It says uh, verses 102 through 105. He says, I have not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. 
I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Watch what he says. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Listen, God is teaching us as we seek vision from his word. Think of it this way. You come to the point where you believe that God loves you. That God gave his very best for you and I through his son, Jesus Christ. That he paid the price for the penalty of sin that was ours to pay. So you believe that. And guess what happens? The lights go on. Right? But get this. I kind of need a dark area. But the light only gives you enough light to see where you are. But watch what happens according to the word. It says now, your word is a light, a lamp to my feet. So watch this. You accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The lights go on. You can see about that much. But then you hear, man, there's a new life. The old one's gone. All things are new and you just take another step. And there's more light. So now you already saw and you get this. I'm a child of God. But now I know there's a new life. Well, what is this new life about? And so you, as you read the word of God, you take another step and you begin to discover that the word of God says that you're righteous. That there's nothing wrong with you. That you're holy wall to wall, 100%. That you're sealed in the spirit, right? That you're one with Jesus, right? That you're forgiven. And so now the light is on. And as you continue to walk and take more steps and you trust the word, you begin to see more. And what you now begin to experience is a journey that started here that was all dark. But now the lights are on. And as you're walking with God, man, everything becomes clearer and clearer. You begin to grow. You begin to trust. You begin to share the goodness of God. Listen to me. God is teaching us as we seek vision from his word. It's like a lamp. It gives you just enough to see where you are. But you know what the key is? Keep going. Listen, I'm sure that this guy saw, wondered what the future held. I'm sure he, 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 he thought about that. But the reason he continued going where God was taking him was because he knew the answers to life's questions lay ahead of him as he went where God instructed him. Listen, vision from God takes you from where you want to go so it can lead you to where you need to go. There's somewhere that you need to go. There's somewhere that God specifically has for you. And while you're on this journey, taking one step at a time, what you got to keep in mind is this, that the vision is ahead of you, not behind you. And the one thing that empowers you to move ahead is the leading of God by his word and his spirit. The lights are on. The lights are on.
As we're closing here today, I want to leave you with one last point. You know that term, seeing is believing? You ever heard that term? Seeing is believing? Many of us, we've believed that for a long time. Seeing is believing is a blind spot. That's a blind spot. I recently uh, bought a truck. I got a new truck. Um, heard I was having a grandchild coming in September, and I said, up, oh, I need more space. Baby seats, baby toys, baby bags. That was my excuse. I just wanted a, a bigger truck. So my wife said, go ahead, honey. No, it was, it was planned. It was, it was coming along. So I buy this new truck, right? And uh, it's, it's got so much more space. And it's got all these gats. I mean, it's got all the bells and whistles. It's fully loaded, right? Windows open from all sides. You know, the music plays in different areas. You got all these buttons. And the screen is huge. My wife was hating. She was like, oh, I need a new car. <laughs> but anyway, um... So this, this, this car has all these features, and one of the features that it has is this backup cam, right? So it's got this camera that comes on, and the screen is huge. So I, it's like I can see everything. It's like having eyes on the back of my head. So I, I buy this truck, and uh, had it a couple of days, and I'm at Quick Check not far from my house. And uh, I'm backing out, and I'm looking at the camera, now, the thing is that when you look at the camera, when you, when you put it to back up, it tells you, check your surroundings, look around you. And in my head, I'm going, I am, I got the camera. So I'm backing up, right? And I'm looking at the camera, I'm backing up. And then all of a sudden, the car breaks. It has another feature. It won't let you crash into something as you're backing up. It's got these, so the, I mean, it was like a hard brake. So it was like, it slammed the brake on me. And I'm like, what, what just happened? And I forgot that they had told me that they had this feature. But I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because I was trusting that there was no blind spots because I trusted what I saw in the camera. The reason why I share that with you is because sometimes... We get complacent and we just trust what we see. And what I want you to see is that for some of you today, possibly the brakes just got slammed. You've been believing that seeing is believing. And today what's happening is this, that the word of God is showing you and I that if all you do is go by what you see with your eyes, there's blind spots. You're going to miss something along the way. Remember, his word is a lamp unto our feet. And so for some of us here today, we've been trusting all the bells and whistles in life. And like Saul, there's a jolt. What God is speaking to you and I has just slammed the brakes on our life. And we realize this, man, I need a vision from God. Feeling stuck in life, you know what that's indicative of? Need vision from God. Struggling emotionally, you know what that's indicative of? You need a vision from God. Questioning your place in the future, questioning if you're, if you're capable, questioning if you're good enough, guess what that is? You need vision from God. 
See, God wants us to realize that today is a new day. The Bible says in verse 17, if we could just put that back up again, it says that Ananias shows up after Saul gets where God told him that this guy Ananias would meet him. And Ananias walks in there and he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me so that you might see that you might see again, watch this, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Check this out. Paul saw at this point, he gets to this place where he realizes God said, I'm going to see. And the Bible says that after this encounter with Saul, with, with, with Ananias, as, as Ananias prays for him, something that seemed like scales fell off of his eyes and Saul could see. But here's the thing. Saul saw life for the very first time the way God intended it. Now, when we started this today, let's stand here. I said something, that this guy Saul experienced a radical change, a radical change. But what you might not know is that Saul went on to become known as Paul. His name Saul means one who inquires of God. In other words, he devoted his life to seeking God, but he wasn't finding him. The name Paul, on the other hand, means small one. It means humble. Now, this is not saying that God made him small. But listen, it was because he caught a vision of how big God is and how great God's plan was for his life that he embraced the name Paul. Listen, I'd rather be small in comparison to a big God and follow that God than think I'm this great big thing seeking God and never seeing where he's leading. Father, today we thank you for your word, which is truth. It is a lamp unto our feet. Today we see, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in Jesus Christ. We praise you, Lord, because from this day forward, we know this, that you've given us eyes to see. Eyes to see. And according to the words of Paul that you inspired him to pray over the church, I pray, Lord, that this day, that we, your people, would walk with vision, with enlightenment, with our spiritual eyes wide open, knowing that you've given us a new vision, new eyes with which to see, our new life, Lord, that there are new purposes and new plans for our life, that we're not done yet, Lord. But Lord, as we continue to step forward with you, Lord, we're experiencing more and more and more. We're going from one step of faith to another step of faith. We're going from one step in glory to another step in glory. God, we're growing, we're maturing, we're transforming because you've turned on the lights and we, your 
what people see. We thank you for that. We praise you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus for it. Hey, if there's anyone, whether you're here with us or you're watching online, and you've never seen life with God this way, but today the lights clicked on. I want you to know that you are at the point right now where you realize you need God. Pray this with us as we close out here. Congregation, let's join together in praying this nice and loud. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. Today, I declare you're my Lord and Savior. I declare you're my God. And from this day forward, I'm following after you, trusting in you, seeking you, and thanking you that you're leading me every step of the way. Come on now, if you ain't prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what God is doing in your life. Now, Father, we leave here thanking you for all you've done in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you again next Sunday.